Okay, Rina, well, thank you very much for joining us and doing this. Um, do you want to start by, for anyone who's been living under a rock, do you want to just tell them who you are and what you do? <laughs> sure. Um, so I'm Rina. I'm, I'm a specialist periodontist. I'm based in central London. Um, and in terms of kind of what I do, I'm mainly based in practice. Uh, I've got my own period practice in central London, so I'm, I'm mainly based there for about three and a half days a week. Um, and then I'm also working at King's College uh, Hospital uh, in Denmark Hill once a week, um, seeing some patients in terms of treatment, assessments, a little bit of teaching as well. Um, and then also I do a little bit of kind of private teaching as well, um, hygienists and young dentists. And so how long have you been a specialist for now, Rina? When did you finish your um, God, It's been a good few years now, so 17, 18, 19, so probably like three and a half, four years now coming to. Um, but time flies, it feels like yesterday I graduated, so yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah it's, it's been good. And what, what is it that you enjoy about being a periodontist? Um, for me, I think it's a large part of it is the relationships you build with your patients because yeah. perio is quite different to all the other specialties. It's, it involves a lot of teamwork and it involves compliance for you to get good results. So you end up building quite a bit. It's not just about what's in the mouth. It's a bit, it's a lot more than that. Um, and you end up building quite strong relationships with your patients and you see them on a long term basis as well. So it's not like um, endo where you do the endo and it's like bye you know yeah. you've got to see them regularly you've got to maintain them um, and building that you know relationship is, is great I think and it's, it's very rewarding for both parties um, yeah. that's why I think during lockdown we're all really missing seeing uh, our, our regular patients so I enjoy that part of it um, I enjoy the actual treatment as well I find it very satisfying I particularly enjoy surgery yeah. um, especially mucogingival surgery so the more kind of aesthetic uh, things like crown lengthening, recession defects, I've, I mean that's kind of like my favourite thing um, yeah. um, but I, I kind of love the whole, all of it together essentially. Yeah and so if we go to the types of treatments that you do you know so a lot of people I think have this misconception that a periodontist is someone who's just probing pockets and, yeah. and coaching people on how to clean and I mean obviously yeah. that's part of it but what, what other kind of treatments do you provide then? So you've already touched on a few of those there yeah it's a really good question i think most people think it's just all about gum gardening um and i think especially even when i was a undergrad actually i didn't find perio interesting at all i i never thought i was specialized in perio um it's only later on when i realized how much more there is to it did it interest me um so with, as a periodontist yes of course you do the non-surgical treatment um Obviously, you're, you're, the, the level you do it as is, is a specialist level, so it's the kind of most advanced non-surgical treatment, which is different. Um, uh, but as well as that, there's a lot more that we do in terms of things like surgery, and there's essentially um, different types of surgery. So you've got pocket reduction surgery, and within that, you can do things like resective surgery, where you're essentially just cutting away the pocket, or you can do regenerative surgery, which is quite fun. So you're actually building back what you've lost. So I'm sure you've heard of things like um, endogain, bio wasp, bio uh, guide, all those kind of grafts and membranes, you're rebuilding what you've lost and that's that's really fun. Um, and then you've got, as we mentioned, the mucogingival surgery and within that you've got things like crown lengthening and crown lengthening can be divided into restorative crown lengthening but also aesthetic crown lengthening which I feel is really on the increase. I get so many patients saying look I've got a gummy smile or one gingery slightly lower than the other, can you you know sort it out and it makes a big difference when you do. So that aesthetic crown lengthening is becoming quite popular and then the recession side again is getting really really popular so correction of recession defects um, especially for now a lot of people are doing Invisalign and smile makeovers the gingery does make a difference and if you've got like high smile line and three even 
even two millimeters of recession can have an impact um, and some patients can really be affected by it. So quite a lot of my work is correcting recession, uh, especially aesthetic uh, recession as well. Before actually, just before I go on to your talking about your practice, one of the things that you don't do as much of, but I know some periodontists do more of and some don't do at all, is kind of implant work or placing implants as well. Yes. Yeah, so, so it's a good question. So um, as a, on your perio programs, most specialty programs, you are taught um, to place and restore implants. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's not something that I loved. Um, uh, I, found it, I found it quite stressful. Um, and the kind of mindset you need for implant treatment is very, very different actually to things like perio surgery. So when I went out and practice, I decided I'm just going to have a kind of purely perio practice. I decided um, and you know, I wouldn't be doing uh, implants essentially. I do treat periimplantitis, um, yeah. and I can place implants if I want to, but I've decided to really hone in on just perio. Yeah, yeah. I mean, to, to me, the perio skills are the scary bits, but there we go. Um, and so, yeah, yeah. so you, you've recently bought a practice. Um, so when did that open yes. and how's that going? So um, opened about two and a half um, years ago, um, and it was very kind of straight after I graduated from um, my perio program. I kind of decided I had a few choices so I could either work for lots of practices um, yeah. and travel around the, you know um, the UK every single day going to a different place or um, try and build my own base um, where I wanted to and then build my referrals coming into my practice essentially and it's a difficult decision because not doing it this way and having your own practice is far riskier than going to a practice and having patients booked in for you mm-hmm. um, but I'm quite uh, particular with the way I do things and I decided that let's just take it take the risk go for it um, and hopefully slowly slowly the referrals uh, would build if you provide good quality care so um, thanks to, to all my ref- referrers um, I've been quite busy since we kind of launched so um, yeah it's been it's been really good I think working for yourself is a really nice feeling and I think if you can control everything you do and the materials you use and the way you do things and your staff it can make quite a big difference to Kind of the happiness of your day as well so um there's, there's benefits of that great and i mean speaking of benefits i think one of the benefits of being a specialist is that you'll get to do a lot of teaching as well is that something you yes. found you're doing more teaching now that you've kind of finished yeah that, that is true actually i think that um you do get quite a lot of opportunities even whilst you're doing your program there are opportunities to do some teaching but mm-hmm. also after definitely i think it's not for everyone. I think if you want to do it, that's great. If you don't want to, that's also totally fine. But I think you will find there's more opportunities to do lecturing and things like that. Um, but it's not to say that you have to be a specialist to teach. Uh, it's nothing like that. It's just you, you, there are more opportunities. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. And what kind of teaching do you do? Is it Do you do still undergrad or is it just all postgrad stuff now? Uh, so um, at the moment, in terms of the hospital, um, it's uh, I, I teach the hygienists there. Um, and then there's some DFT uh, students as well, which I uh, sometimes supervise. But um, largely my teaching is kind of private teaching, i.e. organised by myself. So that's hygienists from any kind of uh, age group, um, any kind of qualification level, to uh, young dentists as well. So they're my kind of two groups that I teach. I do run uh, also a perio course for dentists as well. It's a recent thing that I started like a year ago. Uh, it's a weekend hands-on course because I have a lot of people asking, I want to learn how to do crown lengthening and things like that, which is a great skill um, yeah. to have in practice. I think it, it, as long as you do a little bit of extra training, you should be able to do simple cases. So I run a course for that, which is um, quite popular as well. So yeah, I try to mix up the team as well um because it keeps it interesting I, I really enjoy the teaching side probably ju- just as much as the actual clinical uh, patient side yeah 
Yeah, so I mean, I, I saw you teach, it's been a couple of years ago now, so you, but even, even then, I think you're very good at explaining things and making things clear and interesting. So definitely a course to look out for. Um, training pathways. So how long was your training pathway and where did you train? Yeah, so um, my training pathway was four years because I did it part-time um, and I did it at Guy's. So Guy's is one of the only places, or King's um, is the only uh, kind of place where you can do it part-time. So yeah. most programs are three years full-time, but okay. I did four years part-time. So you're in about three days a week. Um, yeah. And what the, the benefit of that is you can also work at the same time. Yeah. So, because uh, obviously these things are self-funded. So yeah. for me, the full-time option wasn't really an option because I didn't have that much money in the bank. So I was working a few days and then um, studying a few days. There are lots of other benefits of doing it part-time as well. Though it's an extra year, yeah. um, you actually, it's great because you get to apply what you're learning on your patients in practice and you can start building your um, uh, patient base as well. So I think the part-time program, I would, if anyone was going for it, I would say it's, that extra year is not going to make a, make a huge difference. It's going to actually just give, provide benefits. I think the part-time program is quite an attractive option. Amazing. And um, what kind of um, treatments did you get exposed to on there? I mean, you were saying that, you know, you did some implant work and, and, and you've yeah. got treatments you've done. Was it wider than that or, or was it? Yeah, it's, so you start off like your first year is you're, you're on the clinic straight away pretty much. Um, and you start off with general assessments and um, non-surgical treatment for the first year or so. And then they kind of um, uh, help you, ease you into surgery, starting off with simple cases um, and then by your final year you're doing you're almost working with the other specialties like prosthodontics um, to actually then do more complex like full mouth rehabs they're doing for example one of my cases was a massive crown lengthening case so I did the crown lengthening and then the uh, prosto side did the um, kind of crowns and all of those kind of things so you then do more complex cases so I think the all the, the restorative programs so endo perio and prosto they do like you to work between the disciplines as well because at the end of the day it's a restorative specialty so yeah. in early stage it's just perio 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 and then you start working with the other disciplines which is quite nice as well because that's what it's like in real life so they kind of ease you into it um, and the support is great with the specialty programs you get really kind of almost one-to-one -one support um, you learn from your, your tutors a lot of them are in practice so they can actually teach you that side of things as well um, some of them are academics but some of them are from practice um, and then I guess it's normally a very small group so you kind of learn from each other as well and you bounce ideas from each other because it's kind of peer learning as, as well at the same time yeah. I think the, the style of teaching in postgraduate is very different to undergraduate you have to be self-motivated you have to want to learn about it you have to want to go to the library and read about it it's you're yeah. not going to be forced to do anything so it's it's important that you're interested in that uh, subject that you can want to spend time on it yeah. So, I mean, as you say, there's a lot of reading. Is there, is there some research elements to it as well? Yeah. So um, there's a research project you have to do uh, in your, normally it's your third year, near the end of the programme, okay. which is like a dissertation. So I did mine on e-cigarettes um, or vaping and the effects on the prolongal health. Fortunately, I didn't find anything that exciting. But yeah, you get to work on a proper research project and understand the stages of it, uh, which is quite useful because when you come out the other end, you realise, you know, sometimes you're reading a paper and you think, actually, this isn't very good evidence. The quality of evidence is not very good and it can be misinterpreted. So that skill itself is valuable going forwards. But there's research. Um, sometimes you've got to do a few audits um, and then there's kind of things you have to write up, so case reports, those kind of things. It's quite a varied kind of set, a set of requirements. Great. And with the group that you're with, how big is the group that you're with? And you're with uh, so we have five people. Um, so it's quite awesome. small. Um, and that 
that's kind of typical of these programs so that they're very small group because you, 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 we kind of need the attention uh, essentially so you I don't think you would find a program with more than kind of like 10 people okay and with with anyone who's looking at this and thinking yeah that sounds like something I want to do what kind of things or advice you have for people to get onto a perio course because every course seems to be different so uh, are they wanting you to be well-rounded or are they wanting you to be very perio-focused? And... Yeah, I think um, actually they do want you to be well-rounded, especially restoratively before you jump onto the programme. So I think doing things like uh, a post in oral surgery, a post in restorative in the hospital, but yeah. also having experience in practice, yeah. all of that combined <laughs> is an attractive option. So I think they don't expect you to be a periodontist, so you don't need to start doing lots of period. That's why you're on the programme, but you do need to show you're genuinely interested as well. So doing things like a short perio course, weekend course, things like that shows you're genuinely interested in perio. So any evidence of that can help as well. But ideally you want to have a nice well-rounded kind of approach before you enter. Yeah. And do you think there's an ideal kind of time people should wait and kind of get an experience before applying or to, you know, could yes. you two years out? Yeah, it's a tricky question. I don't think there's a uh, recommended um, kind of you have to do it here, have to do it. And you do need two years minimum. Last time I checked, um, might be a little bit more now, but there's kind of two ways of seeing it. You either apply really early or you wait. Now, with my circumstance, I applied very early, um, purely because I was in the swing of learning and swing of university. And it is very, very difficult when you then leave it for five, 10 years and go back to uni. Things have changed, personal circumstances have changed. You might have family you know financial restrictions so for me more for logistical reasons I wanted to get it done and then focus my skills on, on perio um, whereas some people if they're not sure it's probably better to wait for a few years um, and there are benefits of waiting as well because you get a better kind of grounding on uh, dentistry in general so I think it's an, it has to be an individual sort of decision um, but there's no kind of right right or wrong I would say just don't rush in so if you're not sure it's better maybe to just wait a few years there's never like you're too old to come into our program or anything like that so i think it's uh, it has to be a personal choice yeah amazing and what kind of courses have you done since that you that you'd recommend for people are there any kind of courses that you think anyone looking to improve their perio or you should go on this or even for that are good for specialists again yeah come on my weekend course <laughs> um i think that'd be a, a good start it's a two-day thing one day we do all the theory and then the second day we do hands-on like um, on models and pigs heads and surgery I think that will give you like a it's long enough to know if you like the kind of thing and yeah. not too long like a couple of you know not like a six month commitment or year commitment um, yeah. so it's worth looking at I mean something like that like a short weekend course to begin with um, yeah. Uh, yeah and I'm gonna actually be launching an online course as well for people okay. um, out of London so that's gonna be released um, where are we now sometime in June so yeah look out for that it's probably a nice way to get into it as well awesome and what's the best course you've ever done you know have you been have been anywhere abroad and you just thought that was amazing because there's some amazing yeah, yeah i went to um uh, um florence uh, i think a year or so ago and it was a mucor gingival perisurgery course by a guy called tanetti who's an amazing and yeah. portly Periodontist. I mean, that was incredible. Um, I love going on courses because it re almost helps to keep you motivated as well, and see clinicians who are kind of near, you know, so experienced at the end of their career, and you're like, wow, I want to be like that. So, because I think you never stop learning. So, I think courses is a, a good way to keep your mind active, keep you motivated, um, and and keep learning. I think it's important, no, no matter where you are in your career, to, to keep pushing and going forward. 
Yeah, wicked. And finally, if, they, if you had two pieces of advice for anyone who's watching to just improve their perio when they go into practice on the whenever it is, what would that yeah. what would <laughs> advice be? Um, I would say um, don't ever kind of take any shortcuts. Firstly, like things like probing, it's very easy. Even think, simple things like the BP, it's very easy to say, oh, today I'm just going to copy out the previous BPs or I don't have time, I'm rushed. I would right. say don't compromise on perio. It's the biggest reason people get litigated against and it's very easy to diagnose um, and you can't visually probe someone. You've got to go in with your probe. It, you know, it takes a couple of minutes. It can save you years of stress if something does happen and you miss disease. So I think the first thing would be don't get lazy with perio. I know it's not the, the most fun thing to do in practice, but it is really one of the most important things. So I think um, stay, uh, kind of stay thorough with your approach um, and also I think the, the other thing with perio is um, get to know the patient as a whole and treat the patient holistically. So, you know, just get to know them. Like, for example, if you're trying to tell them about using interdentals every day, but don't know that they're like a working mom with so many children, it's going to be difficult for them. And they might adjust when they do those interdental brushes. Uh, you can basically, unless you know the patient, like a bit more about them, your success rate might not be so good. So I think take that extra step and treat the patient holistically, not just their pocket, essentially. Yeah. Um, and I would also say invest in good equipment, um, simple hand scalers, uh, especially if we're not allowed to do AGPs. I mean, you, hand scalers are going to be your savior. So a good set of uh, equipment, you know, you get, if you've got that, your good tools, you'll be able to provide good quality treatment. Otherwise, you're going to be there just burnishing the calculus and not doing much. I think it's worth that investment. And, and perio instruments aren't the most expensive compared to some other um, kind of tools that you need. So it's, it's worth looking at that um, as well. I'm happy to help anyone kind of source that if, if you need it. Amazing. Rina, thank you very much for your time.